This is Carol Hoxbergen, founder of Hoxie's Native Seeds, and I'm very proud to be the sponsor of the Prairie Farm Podcast. Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast, Coffee Time Wednesday, your favorite 15 minutes of your week, possibly the worst of ours. We're back again. Nick already had the worst 15 minutes of his uh, week. When? <laughs> when you were swapping strings Oh out. my goodness. We have these like new, they're basically weed eaters, but with wheels on them, and they're awesome. But one of them keeps losing its string, and... I end up with that one a lot, and maybe I'm just too aggressive of a mower, but it, it's I was upsetting. looking through the field. I'm like, where on earth did Nick go? I see his uh, mower, but I do not see Nick. He was having a little fit in the truck. No, I just, it, after a certain amount of times, I decided, you know what? It's better for me to just not waste the rest of the string, and I will just <laughs> sit in the truck for the day. It was only like 15 minutes. Peyton, you should have seen him like slapping at the visor. I wasn't doing like, any of that. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> He was just sitting there sleeping or something. I was. I did fall asleep. Um, but we are here now. All right. Okay. I'll go first. I'll go first. I'm going to talk about the age of landowners. This hits hard. It hits heavy here. So, uh, Carol, my dad, uh, is 68 and he owns land. And I was reading an article by the DRG, um, ISU, and then a different one by Farm Bureau. Basically... Um, since like 2008, the average age of land owning has been going up and it's due to two things. One, um, people's identity is wrapped up in their land. So they're not passing it on to their, their sons. They're literally like, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't farming. So they just don't ever stop Two, people are living longer than they ever have. And they're able to like do things past the age of 80. Like people, we, uh, John Ozenbach, you know, ran a, ran a prairie farm and a prairie uh, company till he's, how old is he now? He's 80, 81. He's 80s, I think, yeah. And, uh, you know, and he's able to do it. And I've talked to him many times. He's with it. You know, he's not, you know, he's not what you imagine, like a really old person that isn't with it at all. And, and so, so the age is getting, is getting higher and higher. What does that mean? Well, some of these farmers actually aren't, able to um aren't able to farm it so they rent it uh about i believe i read in the article about 58 percent of uh iowa's land is actually leased and it used to be where a lot of it was leased um crop shared so they basically someone who owns it someone who operates it go in and whatever the price is you know they get a share it but now Farmer or landowners are able to say, nope, I want this much per acre every year. And uh, renters are able to give it to them because so much money can be produced per acre. And so it, it's kind of interesting. Another thing is that about half the land owned in Iowa, I've been talking about older guys, is actually owned by women. Uh, mo mm. The vast majority being widows um right before they hand it off and and very very few women operators owner operators um there are there are a chunk of women uh operators that rent land but but not uh yeah and so that was, was kind of 
I just don't know where that's going to leave us, you know, in 10 years, because we've talked about this before, but the part of the issue is that, um, oh, so in 2017, over a third, um, over a third of landowners were 75 years and older, over a third of them, or of over a third of the land that was owned was owned by someone 75 or older. And that number has, and that was 2017, that number has gone up quite a bit. Um, I read in a different article, but it didn't say by how much exactly. Hmm. So it kind of leaves us in a weird spot where a lot of their sons are renting it from them. And that's actually the relationship. So on paper, it's like, oh, there's an owner and a renter. But a lot of it's like their son is renting it from them. And it's actually not for that much money. It's just enough that basically their parents have a retirement. So I actually, I like the idea of that. Like, yeah, you get a little something. This is your retirement. You get some money every year from this farm. And then, you know, when you pass away, I'll, I'll take it over. But, um, but then there are, there are a lot of cases where that, you know, the sons actually aren't farming, aren't interested in farming, never, never got into it. And so it's like, what, what happens now? What happens here? And, and, um, as, these farmers are as more passing away more and more kids are going to say, no, I don't, I don't want that land or I want it and I want to rent it. So you're getting less and less farmers actually farming on the land. So you've got more land in fewer hands, which is called a consolidation of power, which very rarely ever goes well. Yeah, it's definitely happening. Um, I've talked many times in this podcast about, how I live in the middle of farm country, you know, outside of town, surrounded by farmland in every direction, and uh, not so. So there's only two farmers that I'd say probably for probably for close to five miles in both directions on my road. Well, my one my road ends at a major highway on one end and then the other one kind of a small another smaller road but um in that probably seven mile stretch i think there are uh two farmers left and you know you're talking how many thousands and thousands of acres there are that yeah represent both sides of that road yeah and i'm hearing people say like oh he's just a smaller farmer he does 1200 or 1500 acres yeah. that's crazy to me yeah and Man. and you know as far as i can see like in, in in both directions down my road the only two people who technically farm would be me here at hoxie and my neighbor who works for a, a big outfit uh, about 20 miles or and neither miles, of you guys 10 miles own land I right, assume. Right. Besides, just, the, I mean, besides, just the acreages we live yeah. on. Yep. Man. Just the small acreages. Also, I just want to say it's the Iowa Farmland Ownership and Tenure Survey that Iowa State does. Does it every five years. Been doing it since the 1940s. The Iowa Farmland Ownership and Tenure Survey. You guys can look up all their stats and stuff. They've got hundreds of articles, if not more, based on the stats they take from those. And they've been taking them for almost 100 years. So. Yeah. And, you know, there's a couple of things I want to throw in here to go along with what Nick was saying. Um, I think it's probably true that there are some like younger generations that don't have interest in farming. But I think that excuse is just that a lot of the time it is an excuse um, uh, for for the fact that for whatever financial reasoning that land was 
was clutched onto and and uh the younger generation wasn't given a chance until i mean what are you going to say if you're if you're if you're operating on that ground until you're in your your 80s and you don't bring in any young blood until all of a sudden you can't do it anymore you're talking your kids are in your their 50s or 60s mm-hmm. oh what are they supposed to do walk away from a career to go start Start yeah. farming now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And by then, your grandkids have lost a generation of of learning how to farm, you know? Yeah. So that's the other problem that we're really running into is it's not that that the younger generations are so lazy and allergic to hard work, hard physical work. Yes, that that, that is some of the case, but it's certainly far from all of it. And um, if if they're not going to be given a chance, and that's something Carol has passionately talked, that's something Carol has modeled on this farm is giving younger people a chance to learn how to farm. If, if we don't start having more of that, we're going to be a society that doesn't even remember how to farm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you talked about that when uh, you were talking with uh, a chemical supplier here, just how the younger generation farmers that come in, they have to like totally relearn what, chemicals they got to put down and what how do they you know do go about all of that it's i think that that's a scarier problem than the than people realize man people are smart we'll figure it out well well, yeah yeah but i mean think about you know like when you have such a well-oiled machine a a three-year lull that's a big big problem we had a three-month lull during covid and look what the problem that caused yeah yeah. Our food chain is so fragile and we have to Speaking of which, we have to uh get more young people in, I think. We got to get we got to get Peyton to pickleball here soon. Yeah, I got I got things to do, dude. He's got to get to pickleball. So, He's got a big pickleball tournament of him we'll and We'll bring so, up some guys. topic that I'm passionate about, oh, Nick. Yeah. Let's no, stop talking saying... about the landowners that are going to smack me around at pickleball and move on to Ken's topic. <laughs> here's 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 what we here's what we can do. My topic is a decent one to talk about, but because I weighed in so heavily on Nick's, let's skip my topic and oh, no. we'll go straight to Peyton. Dude, no. that's the dream. So I got like four topics to talk about, actually. Um, Kent wanted me to talk about Logan Paul's new energy drink. Kent and is a huge Logan Paul fan. I guess so. <laughs> comes, have you seen Logan well, Paul's new video? So it's actually Logan Paul and KSI, but that doesn't matter. Um, and the energy drink being oh, that is false, by the looked way. at by the FDA, and I don't care about any of that. So I'm going to talk about butterflies instead. By the way, Peyton is our energy drink connoisseur, so I thought yeah. it'd be a good. He's a big fan. Tried it, liked it, eight out of ten. Um, butterflies. You guys know that butterflies go from like Mexico to Canada. Got a whole podcast on it. Do you really? Yeah. I don't listen, so I. Don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> Wendy Caldwell. Although the audio was maybe the worst audio we've had. No, 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 no. It wasn't. Oh, oh Jace Elliott. Sorry, Jace. Sorry, yeah, Jace. You had good we, stuff to we, say. But it's like so bad, I almost want to take it Worse than the Joy Van Weingarten Nicholas accident? Way worse. Yeah. No, that one I just sounded like Alvin from the Chipmunks. Which is a popular movie. Yeah. People like that noise. You guys know it takes like (laughs) three to four generations to get them there, too. I did not. Where are the normal stopping points? That's what I want to know. So it's all along, um, like, obviously the mountains are kind of off limits to the butterflies. But the Midwest is pretty big in terms of migratory patterns. Like, hmm. up through Nebraska is really big. Um, and I just was looking at it because I remember as a kid, um, we'd always walk by during a certain time of the year, and there'd be one tree 
on the way to weird where me and my dad were walking to school that would be covered in butterflies for like three days. Wow. In the mm. And they would just sit there. I heard that's a thing. Yeah. Like, cause when we were talking to Wendy, I was asking her about like, Hey, how do they even like estimate butterfly numbers? And she was like, well, usually we'll find one tree with butterflies on it and we'll just start counting um, and do like rough area math and then figure out how far the distance is to the next tree that they do. You know, and they'll just do that. So they literally will just like that's nuts. Count thousands and, and I thousands didn't, of butterflies. I knew they like didn't have the longest lifespans, but apparently it takes three or four generations to get from, you know, in the seasons of Mexico to that's crazy. Canada. That's why they need milkweed all along the way. And guys. They, yeah, and why is milkweed such a huge? Because it's the only one of the only species that they will uh, lay their eggs on. Really? Yeah. Is it certain types of milkweed, or is it? Um, just uh, butterfly milkweed. I think they feed on different milkweeds, but as far as laying eggs, I think common milkweed is the yeah common milkweed is the, the king. Um, there was actually there was actually deal. an interesting little anecdote in that interview we had with Wendy about how one particular year uh, there was a huge boom in uh, common milkweed. It was some change in ag practice that led to like more disturbed soil or something. And as a result, all this common milkweed shot up and they, they like got a boost in their butterfly counts or something like that. I think if you go back to the episode, it's called uh, something about Monarch butterfly, Monarch butterflies uh, with Monarch joint venture or with Wendy Caldwell, something like that. I want to say it's like in the thirties, thirties probably. Yeah. Yeah. Forties. Right after Cal. Yes. Right after uh, yep. Ryan Callahan. So, man, it, it yep. was it was a really interesting story though that Wendy told about that. And well, that's what the whole like. If it's you, episode forty for those of us. you that actually want to go back and listen to some great audio. What's the title of it? Uh, Monarchs Matter with Wendy Caldwell. Yeah, episode Monarchs forty. Monarchs Matter. Well, with Wendy the Caldwell. the whole like butterfly or monarch pollinator uh, highway. The idea is that you give them a pollinator pathway all the way from Canada, yeah. all the way, yeah, from Mexico up to Canada so that they can. And uh, I guess there's been projects all along Interstate 35, which have been really big towards yeah. that goal. Like Interstate 35 is one of those yep. corridors that they can go mm. up because there's no water to go over. In between here in Minneapolis on 35, there's huge signs that say like, I, I don't even understand what they're for. They just say like Monarch Highway, you know, and I'm like, oh, cool. Butterflies are here. But man, well, that's awesome. Peyton, you got anything else? I, I don't. I was thinking last week, though, unless we want to talk about Ken's thing, because mine's about dinosaurs. and It's kind of oh, boring. Talk about it. Okay. Um, I was out at Colorado. Uh, like two weeks ago and one of the guys I was hacking with asked the question of like what do you think would happen if we just introduced dinosaurs mm. back again like say you just go to the Sahara like all of them no like say like a stegosaurus maybe not all of them but just like not the like ones that will like, eat not like Jurassic Park like death threats type okay, dinosaurs just a couple like just hippopotamuses like some giant. big like elephant plus size dino- like what would that do to the would they take over would they be able to survive like are the plants that they eat eight still around even would they be able to adapt i don't think i don't think we have enough free like if you're talking like in population numbers where you know well we'll say it this way where they would fit in on the energy pyramid for how other 
organisms in those ecosystems do. So if there's like 10,000. No, I feel like in the jungle, you could have some mid-sized dinosaurs in there, like bigger than elephant. Well, I'm saying like if you if you had like if there's 10,000 bison, we'll say, in in an area, then you have like say one stegosaurus is worth two bison. So like you would have 5,000 stegosaurus. Like, like it couldn't just be the old, you know, how many dinosaurs were on here way back when because the ecosystems have changed so much. But if you, like, scaled it in to match, like... like yeah, but the Amazon's huge. Or, like, the so jungles stegosaurus, dude. They're, like, 30 feet long. Well, well <laughs> if, you, if you just put the quantity that was here at one time, then oh, absolutely no. not. So, no, absolutely no. not. There's not but near enough free... But you could probably do quantity per square foot area in the Amazon. Yeah. How much... I just looked this up, so I'm not going to answer. How much do you guys think a stegosaurus weighed? Oh, my goodness. Like, two tons. I'm going to say... I don't. I don't even know how much. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. Uh, that's a really good guess, Nick. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say two and a half tons. It's like five and a half tons. It's eleven thousand pounds. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's worth that's more than. Crazy. That's that worth would, more than two bison. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. At I, all. I mean, the vegetation was we probably bigger enough. back then, and yeah. yeah, we just we just don't have enough free forage now. So I, much of our vegetation, our planet is. I, no, I think I think the Amazon rainforest could host a population of them. Well, ideally, what you'd do is you'd make make this really big enclosed park to put them all <laughs> oh <my> in <gosh. laughs> and invite and people. You would let people come and visit. We've yeah. all seen the documentary. <laughs> all right. Well, see you next time, guys.